God calls us all to a particular vocation, sometimes it's difficult to discern. For the next hour, Father Stephen DeLacy, Director of Vocations for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, will discuss the unique calling to the priesthood and religious life. And now here is your host for the Vocation Hour, Father Stephen DeLacy. Hello and welcome to the Vocation Hour. I'm Father DeLacy, the host of the show. I'm very excited in this uh, you know, beautiful October uh, afternoon. I'm a month off here, but uh, Jesus loves us. Uh, so we, we, we are very blessed here to have two amazing men of God here who've just completed a phenomenal experience. So you're, you're, you're in for a treat to hear what they're their experience was over this past summer two seminarians but before we get into that you know as, as we know creating a culture of vocations it's all about listening and hearing God and the theme for the vocation office this year is speak Lord for your servant is listening you know and and that harkens back to you know when when the uh, Samuel was was a child and he was in the the sleeping with the the, the ark in the the temple and then all of a sudden he heard, you know, his name being called. And he ran out to the priest Elijah, or not Elijah, uh, the priest, to the priest Eli. And he said, you know, did you call me? And then Eli said him back, no, go to bed. You know, it's you have to sleep and that type of thing. And then it happened a second time and then a third time. And then the priest realized what was happening. And he said to him, you know, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And Samuel did that, and from that moment forward, he became a prophet. And he it gives us a very powerful lesson for all of us. In order for us to fulfill the vocation that we're called to, we need to have that disposition. Lord, what are you saying to me? And I am listening to you. You know, what, whatever it is you tell me to do, I'll do. But speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I'm only going to do what you ask me to do. A lot of times we live in a world where the, 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 the false teaching of the world is like, you have to go find yourself. Well, that is, can, we could spend a whole lifetime and never discovering who we are. Who we are and our purpose in life and our mission in life is a, an amazing gift from, a, from God and the, the God and Father uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ who has shared with us that, that very sonship so we truly call God our Father. And our good, loving Father wants to communicate to us our purpose. He wants to communicate to us the, the gift of our, the mission that he has entrusted, entrusted to us. And that in this gift of our mission, we found joy and fulfillment. So we're not just trying to get like, you know, busyness done in the church, right? We're not just trying to fill positions in the church when we're trying to create this culture of vocations. We're trying to give everyone the key to happiness and fulfillment because this is the the quickest path for holiness is when we fulfill our vocation a lot of times you know when we talk to high school students and we give vocation talks almost inevitably you get a kid that raises their hand well is it a mortal sin to not to, to say no to your vocation and technically it's not a mortal sin but you know the the ease of becoming a saint you know because saints are all about doing god's will that is a very thing to overcome if we knowingly said no to the plan that God gave to us, that's a hard thing to overcome for us to become saints in this world. Not saying it's impossible, but you know, it, it, and, it, and it's not something that we will lose our salvation over because of our free will. But in our relationship with God and that growth of holiness, that's a significant setback 
that I would almost say it's an analogous to sin. It's not exactly a sin, but it's a rebellion against God. It's a lack of trust of God. It's, it can be driven by pridefulness, all of which produce sin. And, and it is, that would be the, the production of this no. So, so as you're, you're, you're driving along listening to this, um, I want all of you to please stay as awesome as possible. And I challenge you to say this very, you know, challenging word. You know, you don't take this lightly. I, I challenge all of you from your heart to say to God the Father, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then just hold on for the ride because it is going to be exciting and it will be amazing. Well, anyway, my name is Father Delacy. I'm the vocation director for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. You are listening to the Vocation Hour where we bring to you some awesome and amazing vocation stories. And today we have the the uh, the amazing story of uh, Max McGallagher and Greg Miller, both phenomenal men of God. Both now are in first theology, studying for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. So they're not only are they good holy men, they're also very smart. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they didn't expect me to say that, but I, I believe it. I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. So um, so. Great. Well, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Where are you from? What's your family makeup? What parish are you from? And and then we'll we'll get into your vocation stories in a little bit. And so, how about we go with uh, with Greg first, then Max? Sure. Well, Father, uh, thanks for having me. I'm Greg Miller. I am, uh, as Father said, in first theology. Uh, I'm in my sixth year in the seminary, and um, I'm from Sacred Heart in Royersford, uh, so not too far away from the seminary. Outstanding. Yeah, um, my name is Max McGallagher. I am uh, also in my sixth year of formation. Um, I am from Sacred Heart Parish in Oxford, BA, which is the, quite the opposite. I'm from a ways away from the seminary. Um, yeah, I'm glad to be here. Now, and, and so the burning question is, which Sacred Heart Parish is the best Sacred Heart Parish in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia? Oxford. Usually whenever we have to go around and, and say where we're from, I always try to say that I'm from the Sacred Heart in Royersford. But uh, there are many other people who, who are here from other Sacred Hearts around the diocese. So I, I, I'm okay with, with being in second place. Maybe. Oh, humble. Humble. <laughs> he, went, he went the humble route. And, and it was so funny, too, because that particular year, I, we had three guys come in, all from three different Sacred Hearts. I think there's... There's six Sacred Heart parishes in the Archdiocese. I think I was somebody. Somebody should look that up and 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 call on the radio station and correct me. But this is pre-recorded, so that wouldn't necessarily help you. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, I I will have to look that up and I'll I'll, I'll inform you. Um, I'll tell you about this mistake since we're pre-recording it. I'll tell you about the mistake in the September show, so that way you'll be prepared beforehand uh, because we're pre-recording pretty early this year. Anyway. Um, so we're, we're in store for some some wonderful vocation stories. So, um, you know, Max. So, so do you want to open us up and tell us what? How did you end up in the seminary? Bring us up to that point in, in your life. Ooh, uh, it's quite a story, Father. Um, so I am uh, technically an only child. I'm my mother's only son. Um, I uh, wasn't raised with any faith. Um, you know, my parents were good people. Uh, they tried to do the best they could for me. You know, they loved me. Um, and they were raised Catholic, um, but by the time I kind of came along, they sort of just left the faith behind. Um, 
and uh, yeah, and it's it wasn't an easy home situation. Um, uh, yeah, there's uh, you know alcoholism and drug addiction was prevalent on both sides of my family. And growing up, uh, my dad was um, in active addiction, and uh, you know it wasn't too long after that that uh, maybe around the age of 11, 12, I started following suit um, and kind of really engaged the the secular culture. You know, really. Um, the party lifestyle and the whole mentality with it for me, um, you know, not having God in my life and not having any sort of faith or spiritual background, uh, you know, life was just a party. Enjoy it while you have it. Mm. Um, and I really ran with that mentality for a long time. And, um, you know, unfortunately, in that lifestyle, uh, things don't tend to end up very well. And, uh, you know, some consequences started into my life as my my addiction started taking a more and more serious turn, um, and increasingly so. Um, you know, in hindsight, God preserved me in a lot of ways. Um, I think he had something particular in mind for me from the very beginning. Um, but I had to go through this on my own. And, uh, you know, I, I say I started around 11 to 12, and uh, by the time I was 22, um, I really reached a turning point in my life. Um, I had really kind of gone down this dark hole, this, this never-ending rabbit, rabbit pit. And, um, you know, I started looking around, trying to find out uh, solutions and things. And, um, you know, God uh, was so merciful. Um, you know, I relocated out of my original state of Maryland. I came to the Philadelphia region. And I uh, met a man who eventually became my spiritual father. You know, he preached to me the gospel, told me about, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, his saints the church, um, all the miracles uh, associated with our faith. And, um, you know, even though as far as all of that was, um, when he was really preaching the gospel to me, the truth rang in my heart. Um, and uh, after this encounter with him, um, he actually prayed with me for the first time in my life. And uh, since that day, you know, now, um, over seven years later, Praise God. Uh, my life's been turned completely different. And, uh, you know, I sought out a parish. Um, I met with the pastor and told him my entire life story. He took me through an adult catechism at 22 years old. Um, uh, but the perseverance of, of this priest, you know, meeting with me once a week for six months to prepare me for baptism. Um, and my life hasn't been the same since then. And, and it, I think in this conversion, um, seeing the Lord's mercy, his gentleness, his compassion, um, and the beauty of his church uh, really convicted me, and I started to turn my life over to him. And I said that that strange and strong prayer, you know, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Mm. And I had no idea where it would take me. And you know, seven years later, here I am at St. Charles. Mm, praise God, that that's wonderful. And and you know, obviously this this priest had a, a powerful influence. And and you know, what was it about the priesthood that was drawing you to it? Uh, well, he was a man of courage. Um, he uh, wasn't easily shaken. You know, when we met and I told him my entire story, I expected from the gate to be judged, to kind of be dismissed. Uh, but he looked at me like a father. He listened to me like a father. Mm. Um, you know, I had my dad in my life, but he had his own challenges. Um, and so in certain ways, he wasn't really able to be a father to me, whereas this priest, in, in, in a real way, was a father to me. Um, and coming to fall in more and more in love with our Lord and with His church, um, and ignited me, you know, a love 
a passion for the sacraments, and this was a, uh, a parish priest very dedicated to the sacraments, especially the Eucharistic confession. Um, and, you know, as I fell more and more in love, and I, you know, looking at this priest as an example, um, just something in my heart was like, maybe this is what I should be doing. Maybe this is why, you know, the Lord enabled me to go through this so I could be in his shoes one day. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was all about fatherhood. Yeah, praise God. And, and if somebody's listening and, and they're, they're going down the, the wrong path, they're, they're, you know, they bought the lie that, you know, the world is all about, like the, the party culture, as you, as you mentioned it, what words would you say to them if, they're, if, if by God's providence they're listening? It's not a coincidence, right? We have a lot of radio outlets in, in all through New Jersey and, and the Philadelphia area. Somebody may be listening that is there right now. What would you say to them? Oh, I would say a lot of things. Um, but first and foremost, and this is not easy, it's easy to hear, but it's hard to take in. Um, but the Lord loves you tremendously, and he will go out of his way to lift you up to him. And there are many um, paths, um, a, a way of finding sobriety. Um, and I would say open your mind and turn to the Lord. And you know, when, when uh, the man that I met that preached the gospel to me, when he said that prayer, um, I tried and said my own little prayer. I'd never have prayed before in my life. And I just said, you know, Lord, if you are real, please help me. <laughs> mm. It was just as simple as that. And uh, the Lord hears those kinds of prayers. So um, be easy on yourself. Try and keep an open mind. And just know the Lord loves you. That's what I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if there, there's sometimes a very powerful experience when we, we experience God's grace. So if, if you're listening to this right now, especially if anyone who's driving, pull over if you're in this situation. And, and, and we challenge you to say that prayer. We say pull over because God's grace can be very powerful. We don't want you know any accidents to happen in that regard. We always <laughs> think about safety on the on the Vocation <laughs> Hour show here. Um, but but joking aside, it's very powerful. So challenge you to say that. Just It's just that simple. You know, like, so repeat it again, Max, for us. Uh, yeah, I, I would just say, first and foremost, um, you know, it's easy to hear, but it's hard to take in. Uh, but the Lord loves you tremendously, more than we can ever understand. And he will do everything in his power to lift you up to him. Um, and so I would just say, keep an open mind. Um, and, and, and you can find in some humility to turn to the Lord and just ask for help, you know. Um, and you'll be surprised with what he does with that. Mm. Praise God. Well, uh, you are listening to the Vocation Hour. My name is Father Lacey. I'm the host of the show. If, uh, if as you're listening to this, if you're someone out there that, that's feeling inspired to pursue the call to the priesthood, uh, simply uh, reach out to me, uh, and you can find my contact information at heedthecall.org. That's www.heedthecall.org. Uh, we have Greg Miller here who introduced himself. So, Greg, do you want to share with us, you know, how did you end up here at the, at the, at the seminary? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Father, for having me on. Um, before I guess I start, I wanted to just say that Max has been my classmate for six years now, and I've, I've heard his story a couple of times. And, but every time, it's just uh, it's an amazing story, and it, it, it doesn't get old. And so, uh, you know, thank you, Max. Thank you, Greg. And... Um, all right, so it, it's a tough story to follow, right? But because just, I mean, you just see how, how God worked through, um, worked in his life, you know, so so clearly. And so it's very beautiful. But uh, we all have that story. And um, if when we think about it and um, really try to understand it, uh, we see the way that God has worked in, uh, in our own lives, too. 
And so uh, the last year of our formation, which we'll get into later, but um, that that's helped me a lot. You know, look at my life and see how God has worked for me, uh, worked in me, I guess. And um, so I, I can uh, first remember kind of thinking I wanted to be a priest um, when I was in second grade. And so, you know, I was, I was pretty young, and I didn't really know the whole implications of the priesthood. But uh, I knew that they ate, um, ate pasta, right? <laughs> and, so, and, I, and I liked eating pasta, so, that's, <laughs> so that's, um, that was one of my draws towards the priesthood. Um, and so th- as, I, as I grew up and as I, um, you know, went through grade school and high school, that kind of, uh, that thought of w- wanting to be a priest, you know, kind of went away and I thought of other things that I would want to fill my time with. And um, I kind of focused on engineering, uh, you know, and, and the sciences and that kind of thing. And, um, but that all kind of uh, came to a halt when I was in my junior year of high school. And I was seeing all of my friends apply to their high schools or their, their colleges of choice and, you know, figuring out what they wanted to do to be happy. And I thought back to when I was in second grade and um, I really saw that, uh, you know, outside of pasta, that the priesthood, there was, there was a lot of happiness there and there was something really real there that I was drawn to, you know, as a, as a kid. And, um, and that thing that I was drawn to was Jesus. And so uh, it was through a lot of prayer that I thought about, you know, where am I going to be the happiest? Where does God want me to be in, in that kind of way? And, um, you know, where am I going to be able to be the holiest? And so it was after many months of prayer and talking to my pastor that uh, he really kind of helped me through discernment and that kind of thing. And um, I called, you know, Father DeLacy and I asked him to, uh, you know, if I could apply to the seminary. And I remember... His response was, "Greg, you just made my day," and I was like, "Ah, cool." <laughs> <laughs> I've been excited ever since too. So. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And and you mentioned that your your pastor helped you with this, this sermon. What types of things were you doing at that point? You know, th- this would have been your senior year in high school. What what were some of the activities you were engaged in to help you with your discernment? Um, the main thing was uh, was prayer. Uh, my parish has a nice um, adoration chapel, and so or a perpetual adoration chapel. So I'd always go there. And um, one particular time when I was praying, um, you know, it was I was working a high school job. I was a it was a, a dishwasher, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> and um, and so it was after work. So it was like eleven o'clock or something like that in the evening, and I you know went to the adoration chapel. You know, I might have enjoyed being a, a dishwasher, but I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. Um, and so, I, and I was praying, and I was asking God, and um, I was really just, you know, seeing the person of, of Jesus in the Eucharist. And I asked him, you know, what do you want me to do with my life? You know, do you want me to be your priest and that kind of thing? And um, you know, through and I, those were the main questions and the main themes throughout my prayer for that for my discernment. But uh, in that particular time, I really got a uh, a sense of, you know, of, of Christ kind of telling me to trust in Him, and um, and my response, like w- when you're when you're asked to trust in someone, 
you kind of think, you know, is this person that I'm going to trust and is he trustworthy and uh, is he is he is he going to care for me and that kind of thing. And so I thought about that and I was like, well, this is this is Jesus Christ who you know, is the epitome of love, right? And um, who's given himself completely for us. And so, of course, I'm going to trust in him. So, of course, I'm going to follow him. And I don't need to be afraid. Um, and I don't need to think about all the worries and everything like that. Um, you know, perfect love casts out all fear. And so uh, I, I I trusted in, in Christ and I, I, I stayed with that trust. And that's been a big part of my, you know, vocation when I'm discerning in the seminary and everything. You know, new things arise, but it's just all about uh, that original trust that I have in, in, in Christ and how he cares for me and that kind of thing. Praise God. We have a beautiful moment in prayer and, and that type of thing. And that's that, that's that's powerfully remarkable. Like, you know, you know, as a young man. Uh, a senior in high school, you know, you know, going to an going to adoration chapels, you know, like is 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 very powerful. That's not the first choice though of of a lot of high school teen, you know, high school seniors and that type of thing. So that's that's a, a remarkable movement of grace too. So just it's it's important to name the graces and that that type of thing. So we thank God for the a powerful conversion in in Max's life, and then thank God for that gift of prayer in in, in Greg your life here. So praise God. Well, you're listening to the Vocation Hour. I'm Father Lacey, the host of the show. Um, and if, uh, if you want to hear the, these men uh, share their vocation story, you can hear it on heedthecall.org in the website. You can also find my contact information. And uh, my job is to help men in particular who are, are feeling called to the priesthood to discern that call and that type of thing. It's not recruitment. We actually don't want you if you're not being called to the priesthood. Uh, you know, though we're, we're, we're enthusiastic if you're open to discern, you know, formally and, and you feel enough of a call to come in the seminary. But, you know, there's guys that enter the seminary, they, they discern out and we say that's success. Um, and then guys that stay in the seminary and discern that they are called to the priesthood, obviously that's that there's something to be very enthusiastic about that. So, so praise God. So, and if you out there, if you love pasta, well, maybe you too are being called to the priesthood. <laughs> so, but I, I love uh, Greg. I had that further clarification that it was more Jesus that he was being drawn to in the priest, and then the pasta was just a bonus. Then, so. it, it, yes. <laughs> so well, praise God. Well, it, it was alluded to, but the, these two men of God have just completed their spiritual year program, and so uh, do you guys want to describe? Uh, you know, I, I guess you know one. I, I guess Max, if you want to talk about just the 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 four they used to be referred to as the four pillars of formation. Uh, now they're the four dimensions of, of formation. If you want to talk about you know just what they are in general to kind of contextualize the spiritual year, and then uh, Greg, if you want to talk about where the spiritual year program fits in the program here, you know, and then we'll we'll get into to specifics about the spiritual year. But go ahead, Max. Sure. Uh well, let's see if I've done my homework. There's there's four dimensions, right? There's pastoral, human, um, educational, intellectual. That's what it is. Intellectual and then spiritual uh, dimension to formation. And uh, it's a multifaceted approach um, in understanding uh, formation for priests and, and for, you know, really to be men of God. Um, but here particularly at St. Charles at the seminary, we focus on them sort of as uh, segregated areas, but really they, they're supposed to comprise the whole uh, but to break it down, um, the spiritual dimension of formation is our prayer life, you know, um, and even more simply, our relationship with our Lord, you know, how he's um, 
continuing to call us and how we're, we're responding to his call. Um, and, and, and no joke, I mean, it's a, it's in a continual uh, growth and falling in love with our Lord. Um, and then with that and through his love, you know, everything else just kind of comes with ease. Um, the intellectual formation is probably, you know, what the bane of every seminarian. You know, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we have strong intellectual formation at St. Charles and I, um, I'm truly grateful for that. You know, I've learned so much about our faith here. And uh, that's, that's sort of comprised of the stuff, you know, the, uh, the doctrines, the creeds, you know, the philosophy, the theology as a whole. Um, and uh, it, it's so we can know the truth, so we can share the truth. Um, it's essentially what that is. And it's not just meant to be, you know, abstract truth where you're taking a bunch of facts, but rather truth that you're supposed to fall in love with. Um, and the third is pastoral. Uh, this is something that uh, I guess Greg and I will be really undertaking in our apostolates uh, this coming year moving forward. Um, and these are the more practical applications of uh, being a priest, you know, um, the ministry of presence, how to be with people, how to listen to, uh, to others, um, and, and so many rules, you know, in liturgy and, and other ways that the priest uh, would act. Um, and then the last is human. And then this also can be quite challenging. This is sort of just, um, this applies to everyone, really. It's more of uh, growing into the man that God has called us to be. And, um, you know, iron sharpens iron. You know, it's uh, sort of how they live in community and religious life. We live in a community here uh, at St. Charles. And uh, we really grow up to be men of God together. You know, no one is alone in this. Um, and so, yeah, those are the four um, dimensions, so to speak, of of formation, but they're really meant to go together. Outstanding. And then, Greg, where does it fit in the in the the, the year sequence in the in the life of the seminary? The spiritual year. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, um, so the spiritual year uh, is a kind of overall. It's a year dedicated to. Um, well, it's putting a, a great emphasis on the spiritual aspect of formation for, of the seminarian, and. Um, but it doesn't exclude the other aspects. Uh, it just uh, puts a greater emphasis on it for an entire year. And it's had a few homes in the years, or throughout the years, of where, of when seminarians go on it. But uh, I went on, Max and I went on the spiritual year after our fourth year um, in the seminary, after we graduated from the college. And then, but, uh, but they moved it, but Formation decided to move the year to um, after second college because they figured you know we're giving the spiritual year is a great uh, foundation great way to lay the foundation of uh, a seminary's spirituality and um, and really focusing on that, that love of Christ which is the foundation for all we'll do afterwards so kind of moving that earlier in the steps of formation is is kind of more beneficial right and so but I I did the spirit year after my fourth year, um, after graduating from the college seminary. Great. And, w and what does it happen now? It's, and right oh, yeah. now it happens after the second year in the college seminary. And if you're coming in to the seminary with a college degree, it'll be your first year. So it'll, yeah, it'll be your first year of formation. Yeah, yeah. So, so well, before we get into the mechanics of it, what, what would be, like, if you had to describe what are some of the graces of the year that you've experienced uh, what, what, how would you name some of the graces? 
Keep in mind, we are on radio, so we can't have too much downtime. <laughs> Some of the graces, well, there's 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 a lot of graces throughout the spiritual year because um, the spiritual year is more of a it's 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 kind of more difficult of a year because you're putting a lot more into it. So you know, one of the requirements of the spiritual year is that you you have a media fast throughout the week, which means you don't have your phone with you, um, and you're not you know checking your phone or emails or anything like that, and so. That's kind of a difficult part of, uh, you know, someone in our, you know, society, someone in our culture, we have, you know, phones everywhere and that kind of thing. So to be able to put it away for, uh, you know, six out of seven days a week is, uh, it's kind of, it's a sacrifice. And so the Lord rewards that because you're sacrificing it for, um, for his, for, uh, to, to become closer with him. And so... A lot. And, yeah, let's ponder it. Let's ponder that a little bit because that's so intriguing. And Max, weigh in on it. So, you you put your cell phone aside for one whole year. Is that is, so? What what's what do they call that dynamic? And why would they make you give up your phones? That sounds like almost like in today's day and age, cruel and unusual punishment. Want <laughs> uh, me take this? Sure. Yeah. So uh, it's called a media fast, uh, and we. Do not use, as Greg said, our phones or computers or any electronic devices for six days out of, out of the week. What's that? Radios. And radios as well. So, yeah. I, I was able to play my guitar, so that was yeah, good. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, in today's day and age, we're so attached to the things in our life. We're, we're so attached to technology. We're so attached to, you know, really just material goods. And it's, um, you know, cell phones and technology in particular has really latched itself on to us as a society. And so it's a year to really depart from those uh, distractions and to detach from them so we can attach ourselves to God and really give everything for Him. Yeah, and a lot of that is the, like the power of silence. So, you know, you don't have your phone to distract you. So you kind of have to think a little bit more about yourself and, and eventually about yourself and your relationship with God. And so that's it's kind of difficult, but so many graces come from that. Um, and so that's basically the uh, the media fast. Yeah. Was that hard for the two of you guys at, at, at first? I would say you know I kind of I kind of agreed with it, or like you know I kind of was like you know they're they're making me give up my phone, so I don't have much of a choice in it, so I better you know uh, enjoy it or something like that, or better or try to get something out of it. And so it wasn't too difficult to begin with, and then as the year went on, it wasn't I I didn't find it you know as a is a big difficulty. Yeah. yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I personally, though, uh, I have to say, for the first, I'm going to say, a whole month, it was um, noticeable. So it was more difficult in the first two weeks. Mm. Then it became easier, but it was still noticeable. Then after that, um, the spiritual year really took over. But uh, you know, through this media fast, um, you know, even though I'm, I'm I'm now 30 years old, I didn't realize how attached I was to the things in my life. Mm. You know, um, and how long. I've been using them, so it was a noticeable absence. Um, so it, it started off a little bit more challenging, but it actually grew into a, a great freedom hmm. that I never had before. Great, great. And was it hard for you to go back to using your phones and the computer and all that fun stuff after after the spiritual year? And I know this year was a little bit of a, a wonky year, but but how would you answer that? Um, well, it's really easy to use phones as a, as a, <laughs> as a, a millennial, I guess, but. Um, it was. It's kind of. It's kind of weird. It's a. It's a weird feeling. You know, coming back into the seminary, because the entire last year I didn't have my phone. You know, when I was at the seminary, but now, 
I have the I have my phone and I'm at the seminary, so there is it's kind of an adjustment. Um, it, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been a little difficult trying to get back. I don't know, get back into it. But uh, uh, it's been I notice that uh, the media fast has done some good for me, and so mm. yeah. Yeah, I, I would say, uh, especially during the year, it was very strange on like the Saturday when we were able to use our phones. Um, but I would agree with Greg wholeheartedly that uh, that part of the, you know, many parts, but that part also has left its mark on me. And um, I've been able to carry certain disciplines with my media consumption at, um, through afterwards. So praise God. Yeah, yeah. So so pro- probably the, the typical listener here couldn't just say, I'm going to just give up my entire phone for, even for one week, yeah. right? Because of the way we're all tied in. But do you guys have any practical, you know, advice on on how they might be able to experience a little bit of like like a social media or, or a media fast? That is not necessarily social media, but media fast. What what would you recommend to to them? So I discovered this really really recently. But if, uh, on my iPhone, you know, I have an iPhone just like everyone else. If I slow, I swipe to the left, it shows uh, on that page how long I've used, or how many you know hours, minutes I've used my phone. Um, and so I actually, as part of that, started looking at that every day. Mm. Just to keep, so I, I see before myself, like how much I'm using and then like what I'm using it for. Um, but practically speaking, I would just say, you know, keep that in mind, maybe check that every once in a while. Um, but it, it's just learning about how to distance yourselves at appropriate times. You know, especially nowadays, we can't just give up everything right away. Um, but you know, being able to reach that point where, you know what, I'm gonna put the phone aside Maybe it's like, you know, 30 minutes before going to bed or, you know, um, maybe I'm going to take my lunch break without my phone or something like that. Just yeah. just try and uh, put that aside for a short period of time, maybe 10, 15 minutes, um, and then see what happens from there. Great. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would focus on that, really. You know, if, if you're able to put your phone or, you know, uh, leave your phone somewhere for an hour and then not have to constantly worry about, oh, you know, what, you know, what time is it? You know, where's my phone? You know, if someone texted me, someone called me, and that kind of thing. You know, usually that stuff can wait, and um, you don't really have to have to have this constant kind of uh, fear for not being connected, uh, and just focus on the present and that kind of thing. So, so I would say really to try to you know pick a day in the week or something like that, and kind of pick maybe an hour in that day and. No, don't let it be you know an hour when you're sleeping. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, right. But uh, but maybe if you need to take a nap, uh, you know when you put your phone away, you know you need to take your nap. But to uh, to put your phone down and to leave it somewhere for an hour and just see where, and see if you're able to do that. And if you're not, it kind of shows that you know maybe I really need to work on this and maybe I need to to focus more on how much I'm using my phone and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, I really agree, like what Greg just said. But it's also, it's um, it's less about an absence. You know, we put the phone down, but that's not just for that. But it's also allotting time for something else. So maybe, you know, at that hour, maybe do some reading. Read the scriptures or, um, you know, maybe pray a rosary or something like that. And, and, and that would help fill that time and make that transition a little easier. Would you recommend watching TV at that? Um, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, that uh, it's all part of the media fast. So, <laughs> no, praise God. Well, you're listening to the Vocation Hour of Father Delacy, the host of the show. We have here uh, Max and Greg, both uh, first theologians studying at St. Charles Barbara Seminary for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Both men are awesome, and they are sharing with us uh, their vocational journey, in particular the year that they both just completed, which is the spiritual year. 
How has the year impacted your prayer life? And what what was some of the ways that prayer was incorporated into the spiritual year? Uh, okay. Um, so one of the most obvious things is uh, on the spiritual year, we have our holy hour with the Blessed Sacrament exposed at 6.15 in the morning until 7.15. Um, and I can't understate the value of, of that. You know, that was, or overstated rather, um, that was such a, a, a hinge um, into the spiritual year, and it, it's really left its mark with me. Mm-hmm. Um, that holy hour, um, and, and we prayed it in common, you know, it's, it's, it's in silence, um, and we would pray morning prayer after that hour. Uh, but starting the day uh, with prayer, and especially with the Blessed Sacrament, um, I, I swear, it changes things completely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and part of having the holy hour in the in your schedule, it's it's already scheduled in, so you have to be there, and uh, that really gives you kind of a lot of practice for when it's not in your schedule, and like, and you see how how much you really want that holy hour, and how much you desire that time in prayer, and then it also gives you practice in you know what kind of uh, prayer works for me, and what kind of um, uh, you know, uh, things to do during the holy hour, you know, helps me to grow in that relationship with God and and that love. And uh, we, so we had a lot of time, we had, you know, a lot of holy hours. And so we had a lot of opportunities to work on things. Yeah. Outstanding. Outstanding. Praise God. So what are some of the other graces that you you guys received? And, and, and before we go into that, just a, a little bit of a a special encouragement for our, our, our uh, listeners here that, you know, Everyone could do a holy hour. You don't have to be a seminary. You don't have to go to a spiritual year. So, you know, the things that they're talking about that have, have been a powerful help um, is are things that are available really to all of us, especially, you know, spending time before the Blessed Sacrament. You just have to find a parish that's open. And a lot of parishes near you have adoration chapels that are, are open, either with the exposition of the Blessed Sacrament or such simply... Um, an opportunity to adore our Lord in the tabernacle. So very powerful. If you're able to do a holy hour, I consider that like the foolproof way for effective discernment that you're eventually going to come to know what God's plan is in your life. Um, if uh, if you can do that, we heard that uh, in Greg's story earlier. So uh, praise God for for that. So, so what other graces did you receive during the year? One of the graces that I received is really, um, uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll continue with the holy hour theme. You know, it, when, whenever you, I didn't start, you know, uh, when I entered the seminary, doing a full holy hour every day. You know, I, I started with, you know, little little bits of time. And so, uh, you know, 15 minutes in the morning or 15 minutes in the evening and that kind of thing. And kind of, you know, praying that way and to work up to a whole hour. And uh, really, you know, Christ rewards sacrifice and that kind of thing. So... The more we give our time and our, our schedules over to Christ, and you know, and, and over um, to our Lord in prayer, He really, He really loves that, and He He's going to be there for you, and He's going to be present to you. And so that was really one of the graces that I that I noticed in the years is Christ's presence to me in that time of prayer, and I saw, um, you know, Christ, you know, and I heard Christ call me towards a deeper relationship with Him, and call me towards. Um, greater confidence uh, in his love for me and, and, and to have a, a greater confidence in what I do um, and, uh, and how I continue in the seminary and that kind of thing. And so that was one of the graces that I noticed. 
Great, Greg. Thanks for hanging. Thanks for saying that. I was hanging on every word. It was beautiful. Um, Max, do you want to share some of the graces that you that you uh, have? Uh, yeah. Well, received? Greg took my my favorite one, so I'll throw another one out there. Um, but yeah, like we like we said, we, we live in a community at the Spiritual Year House, um, which is actually separate from the main campus of St. Charles, and uh, we had twenty one of us, about twenty one of us there at this at the Spiritual Year um, House. Uh, so it's a lot, but <laughs> a lot of guys, um, and and relatively, you know, um, it wasn't small, but it wasn't as big as the campus here is, um, and so we didn't have our phones, right? And so naturally, thing what what things happen, you know, you know. Uh, fraternity happens, but then also, you know, uh, maybe a little bit of elbow rubbing here and there. Um, but I can honestly say that uh, I, I firmly believe that God chose those men that I shared that year with on the spiritual year um, because through them I saw a lot of what He was doing for me. You know, uh, you know, iron sharpens iron, um, and there was a real, um, even though there's little squabbles here and there, we all we all had a, a, a real Christian love for each other, and we wanted to put. The others to do um, as best as they could, um, and that really came across. There was real charity in the house, um, and uh, that really moved me. Wow! So, are you saying that seven years are not always perfect all the time? Is that is that what you're implying in that statement? Uh, no. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you knew that. Just there. don't tell my formation advice. Yeah, understood. No, no, no. The, the, um, and the, the expectations, the seven years are not perfect, and and it may be a news flash out there. Priests were not perfect either. So, so um, <laughs> that that's a very real thing. Wow, so you, are, to our listening audience, you're hearing all about the Spiritual Year program, uh, which is uh, housed at St. Charles Seminary uh, at one of our, our annex campuses uh, at St. Matthew's in Conchahawken. It's a powerful year of grace with the, you know, both Max and Greg are unpacking some of the graces that they received. And it really is dynamic. So you are listening to the Vocation Hour, and I am the host of the show, uh, Father DeLacy. If, uh, if you ever need to reach out to me for any reason, or if you want to hear about opportunities to discern uh, the call that God has given to you, please head to heedthecall.org. That's www.heedthecall.org. So praise God. Well, probably, pro- you know, one of the themes that you're saying imp- implicitly and, and just to make it explicit is uh, is the, the, the importance of silence during the year. That they're cultivating this silence, making you take this media fast, the time before the Blessed Sacrament. Um, you know, talk about how the year culminates, because the year culminates in a very powerful experience of silence. And, and I guess, like, why is silence so important? Um, and and what, what am I talking about? Sure. Um, the spiritual year has kind of two big uh, events that go on in it. And the first uh, happens in January, and it's called a poverty immersion. And... Um, that's kind of, you know, trusting in God's providence and his, uh, his care for you and that kind of thing. But then at the end of the year, after, you know, nine months of uh, being in the spiritual year and, and focusing, everything culminates uh, to a 30-day Ignatian silent retreat. And um, even though with all of the, the, you know, things that have happened this year, we were still able to do it and we were still able to have our, our silent retreat. It was pushed back a little bit, but um, it all it all worked out, and um, so silence. And so it, it was a lot of time to 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 be quiet and, and to focus on on that prayer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how many days was it? Thirty days. It was. It was. Yeah, it was. It was more than twenty. And yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thirty days silent retreat. Honestly, uh, 
uh, was one of the greatest gifts I think I've ever received. Um, and you know, I, I, I say this not lightly, but uh, guys will always ask me because it's a, obviously 30 days in silence is kind of you know, what abnormal. I mean, I never thought I could do one. Uh, but coming back to St. Charles, everyone asked me how I was. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of hard to put into words. Um, but I can say that I think I'm a better man today because of it. Um, and, yeah, it was 30 days, largely in silence, except for one hour where we got to meet with our directors and kind of, you know, talk. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the idea with silence is sort of like our media fast. is that we put down the phone, not just for the sake of just putting down the phone, right, because the phone is not itself bad, but so we can take up a deeper relationship with the Lord. And so the silence is sort of the same way as we, you know, get rid of the, the noise, which is more than just like speaking, but all the other distractions, so we can try and listen as close as we can to what God is actively speaking in our lives today. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. So, and for our people out there, again, it's this is just a real solid principle. The You know, these things that the seminaries are experiencing, though we do give them kind of a, a special experience of this, to find silence in our lives is not, you know, impossible. You know, it's you know, it's fasting from from media. You know, turning the TV off, to, you know, putting the phone aside, and that type of thing. But we can we can find silence in our homes. Technically, we there's there's adoration chapels we can find silence, and certainly retreat centers. So this is something available to, to all of us. And and you know, kind of a. I, it, I heard it said at some point that God's native language is silence. Mm. So that's the place where we kind of encounter God and, and he's able to speak to us in just just a, a very powerful way. So what was what was your favorite thing about the, the, the 30-day? And then what was the hardest thing about the 30-day? So I, I know I know that's 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 a tough question to, to answer, but, but I'm not going to steer away from it. <laughs> I would say that I think my the favorite thing from the 30-day... Um, it's kind of going through the different exercises that Ignatius has put together, and there's a few, you know, the particular ones that uh, that you know I really you know stuck with me, and I enjoyed them a lot. Um, and we'll, I will get back to that, but the, the least favorite thing I think, or you know, the hardest thing about the 30 day, is uh, I think it was the food. You know, we we were eating the. It wasn't now. They weren't feeding us, you know, snails and rocks and that kind of thing. It was perfectly good food, but uh, but uh, not enough pasta. I would I would say no, <laughs> no. But um, yeah, just kind of uh, the, having the same kind of repetitive schedule and everything like that. Yeah, you know, it's nice to change, you know, switch things up a little bit. And so I knew that this was going to be a problem for me going into the retreat. So I brought with me some uh, hamburgers, some frozen hamburgers. <laughs> And um, so, you know, every, you know, couple of days or every week or something like that, when I, I felt like I needed some, you know, time, uh, you know, I would, uh, I break up uh, a couple of hamburgers and cook them on the grill that we have. And so that worked out great, you know, <laughs> so I was, I was pretty happy with that. Um, yeah, uh, whew, that's a hard question or hard questions. Um, I think, I mean, obviously for me, I think the um, favorite thing was we had, you know, it was a, a, a retreat of silence, um, but we had the majority of the day to sort of uh, figure out our own schedule. Um, and so we were able to make time for the Lord, um, particularly in the Blessed Sacrament, you know, in the tabernacle, um, although he was exposed at, at certain points throughout the retreat. Um, and, at, you know, this isn't something I'm priding myself on, but just the retreat gives it. I was able to make uh, four holy hours a day. Um, so it's really taking that grace that started with the uh, spiritual year 
and just kind of revved it up another notch, you know. And uh, uh, it really um, changed my life. That's all I can say. Um, and I would say the most challenging part, um, well, it was sort of not fair because near the whole coronavirus thing, uh, we had to do our 30-day retreat here on the main campus of St. Charles. Um, so it wasn't a retreat house. So, you know, the idea with the retreat is to block out noise. But we were at the main campus, so there was there was still activity going on. Um, however, the Lord still provided. But, yeah, it was an adjustment. Mm, praise God. Well, you got, thank you so much. And, and to our listeners, uh, you're listening to the Vocation Hour. We have uh, two wonderful guests here. Uh, and, and the show is going by so quickly, I can't believe how quick this, this show is, is flying by. We have still about 10 more minutes, but I wanted to see, like, you know, now now that you've gone through the spiritual year, like, like this is a, 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 a more intense experience than the typical Catholic gets. What, what insight into praying have you learned that you want to share with our listening audience on how, how they can make themselves better prayers? So how, uh, yeah, go ahead. An insight in praying. Um, I would say, it, I, I would stress the importance of silence in prayer. You know, you know, sometimes when you think, you know, oh, I want to, you know, pray today, I'm going to, and in that time of prayer, I'm going to say the rosary, I'm going to, you know, read this book, and I can, you know, read some passages from the Bible, uh, which is great, and those are great things to do. And sometimes um, we're, you know, we're called to just, just listen, like, Eli was in the in, in, in the, um, the passage that father was talking about in the beginning of the show if you want to go back to that and um, to kind of focus on where God is, is speaking to us and um, and uh, and to focus on the you know the silent nature of, uh, of God yeah praise God and then Samuel's line then of just like speak Lord your servant is listening and just how powerful that was and the transformative it was, you know, given to him by the by the priest. That's awesome. Well, Max, how about yourself? Yeah, uh, a lot of stuff. Um, well, I would say prayer is first and foremost. You know, I, I'm thinking, I guess, it's the Baltimore Catechism now. It's sort of the lifting of the heart and soul up to God. Um, so that could take many forms. Uh, but the large part of the retreat was what we did, the Ignatian exercises. So uh, most of the holy hours we did, we were practicing Lexio Divina, which is, uh, you know, holy reading or... Um, you know, really taking time with the scriptures um, and allowing that to sort of be our prayer as well. Um, and, you know, it was interesting because I always, you know, since my conversion, you know, I believed that the Bible was the inspired word of God. Um, but it took that 30-day retreat for that word to really become alive mm. for me, that it's not like a dead word. It's a living word speaking to us now. Um, and so it was sort of like the retreat was able to like break down the hardness of my heart with that. And, and, and I really heard his voice um, through that. And the other thing um, was sort of just an experience of, uh, you know, um, we hear this a lot, but that God loves us. And it took that 30-day retreat um, to go from head knowledge <clears throat> to heart knowledge for me um, and to really know intimately the love that the Lord has for me and for all of us. Um, and so that really transformed my prayer, you know, with... Lexio Divina, Holy Reading, um, sort of a prayer of being, you know, which is which is strange, but you know, going before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, and even, you know, when I was here on campus, just uh, turning my heart to the Lord, whether I was playing my guitar or whatever else I was doing, um, and and allowing allowing the Lord to love me, but also just to be present with Him, um, and I never expected that ever. Mm, praise God. Well, we have time for each of you to give kind of like 
one bit of advice for, for someone who's thinking about the priesthood out there, what would, uh, what would be the words of wisdom that you would impart to them to help them in their, their journey of discernment? So the, the priesthood and thinking about the priesthood. If you want, uh, well, think about your vocation and think about where God's calling you to. And think about if you're living in that now and think about if, um, if God has more plans for you. And because, you know, God will continue to work with us and he will continue to call us into, into his love. And that's really what our vocation is. It's really kind of um, two loves working together. You know, it's my love for God and God's love for me working together. And that's where, that's where I kind of saw um, God calling me to the priesthood and into that intimate love. And so think about where, you know, where you're being called to and think about your relationship of love with God and work on that. And the only way to work on that is through prayer. So that's my advice. You have to pray. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Uh, yeah, I, I would say from my own experience um, that the experience of God's call for me was sort of like a whisper. You know, it's not the earthquake. It's not, you know, the, the, the fire and all that. It's, it's that silent whisper. Um, so taking time in prayer, like Greg said, especially before the Blessed Sacrament at Mass, um, and listening to that whisper and asking the Lord gently, it's like, if this is you calling, just speak a little bit louder and give him that due time, and uh, you'll be amazed. And I think if the Lord is calling you to the priesthood, don't hesitate. Uh, I mean, life at the seminary, as we discussed, is not perfect, uh, but there's so much true, substantial joy here um, that I haven't found anywhere else. So. Mm. Well, praise God. Well, thank you so much for listening and being with us in the Vocation Hour. Uh, It's been a a joy and privilege, and uh, I look forward to being with you next week. Uh, May God bless you.
loved you You waited for me, I searched for you What took me so long I was looking outside As if love would ever want to hide I'm finding I was wrong Cause I can feel the 